Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And Jackie, get out the good china because tonight we've got company, baby. (laughs) We have got important company. We are super, super excited to welcome author Eric J. Brown to the show. Wait, is it? Do we still call it China? I just have to circle back around. Did I just inadvertently do something racist? I think it's still called China. I mean, fine silverware still. Yes. The the plates and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I meant. Not the country. I meant like put out the fine plates. Because that's it's what it's made of, right? China porcelain. All right, just checking. I want to be woke, y'all. You know how much I value that. Eric, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are having you on. Oh, of course. We are having you on today because we are actually celebrating a huge awesome moment for you. And that is the March 8th release of your novel all that's left in the world. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the book and what what we can look forward to? Absolutely. Uh, so it's a young adult novel. Um, it is about two teens, Andrew and Jamie, who survive a pandemic that destroys 90-ish percent of the world's population. Um, Andrew's injured and he kind of breaks into Jamie's cabin in the woods and Jamie feels bad for him. So he starts kind of like nursing back to health and they go out in search of civilization and help from rumors of like the EU coming into the United States to help us kind of get back together again so oh boy you I tell you what horror at the thought of EU being our last hope you win (laughs) (laughs) that sounds amazing so this is your debut novel correct yeah it is yeah that is awesome so what made you think YA dystopian novel um so this one I I don't even know so Specifically for this book, I was watching, it was The Walking Dead. I always kind of like go around to what show I was watching at the time, but it was The That's Walking fair. Dead. <laughs> and I just, it was in the first like four seasons or so, I was like, why the fuck is this show so straight? Where are all the queer people in this? Because it like, we had three whole seasons of that Rick and Lori love triangle thing with what well, I don't even remember the dude's name and then they kill her off giving birth to a baby that could be Rick's or could be the other dudes and it's like this is really fucking straight guys can it you was... just dial it back the heterosexuality yeah. so I got pissed off about that and I know they've changed it since but I haven't watched it in a while but yeah, it's still pretty straight I haven't watched yeah. it in a while either but <laughs> And I, I, I assume the type of show too, they would introduce queer characters and start killing them off as well, which is a whole other thing. A hundred percent, right. But I just, I kind of, I would start daydreaming while I was watching the show and I'd be like, well, what would happen to queer people? It's like, if half the world's population or more is wiped out, we're like, queer people are already a minority. So it's like, how do you find a date at that point? How do you fall in love with somebody? Like, are you kind of That's like, good oh, point. you're my last option. So I <laughs> guess, or like, can there be like a good love story? So I decided to write a good love story. That is awesome. Now, why YA do you think? Do you do you think it just um, kind of organically became younger characters? So I wanted to, I also, one of the characters doesn't, didn't kind of realize that uh, he's bisexual, so he didn't realize that until he met this person and slowly started to fall for them. And so that's another yeah, thing I wanted to do. That's awesome. This person discovering their sexuality in this heightened environment of the apocalypse. And like, what does that mean? Because now he doesn't really have the kind of like, oh, I have to be in the closet. He can come out quickly if he wanted to, but he's still kind of figuring it out. So I wanted it to be a younger person discovering their sexuality. And at the same time, I think that there's just more risk-taking in young adult novels. Um, I know a lot of people kind of bash people for reading YA, but they're like, oh, well, that's for children. But if you haven't read a YA book in a long time, you're kind of missing out because there is a lot of mature themes and it's things that like teenagers deal with on a daily basis and they think about on a daily basis, but it is handled in a way that even adult novels can't do because I think a lot of, 
people who write like for adults are writing for the market. They're writing a book that is either literary where they can get away with doing weird things because it's literary or they're writing to the market that's going to sell and they're not going to take risks like YA novels are. Mm -hmm. So that was always my thing. I just wanted to write for teens and young adults because I can take more risks. I can do things that adults kind of shy away from, which I mean, clearly it's happening because there's YA books being challenged all across the country right now. And it's a lot of my friends' books who I know that they have not written pornography and there's not even any sex scenes in them. And yet people are putting it up there saying, oh, this is pornography. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm as, as a high school English teacher, I've always gravitated towards YA, but I've been so thrilled to see just how the, the subgenre has become to me one of the best places for new voices, one of the freshest places, um, whether it like, whether it's like reading Juno Diaz or like anything else coming down the pike, all these dystopian stories, so much of it is so much more aware of marginalized voices, which is, I think what kids need more than anything is that representation. Yeah. So it thrills me to know that there are people out there writing novels that are relevant to the kids who are going through all this stuff and who are in the thick of it and are just innocent bystanders to so much of the horror of the world right now and are soon going to be the ones running things. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 really uh, stupid of people to kind of ignore the genre because to me, it's one of the first ones I gravitate towards. And I mean, it's killing it on the New York Times list, right? I mean, there's no yeah. denying that these books are making a big wave. And I actually have the, I'm lucky to have a LGBTQ teen in my house. So I get to know all these amazing voices and I like have book club with her. And it's, it's an amazing thing to see her have such positive role models and like such good good voices so yeah i'm thrilled man i can't yeah. wait to pick up the book i think you're our book club next month awesome <laughs> awesome so tell me so you're a horror fan right uh tell me a little bit yeah. about how you got into horror we always kind of like to pick the brains of the people who are on the show so i i'm kind of like i feel like i'm a weirdo because when i was little i was terrified of horror movies but I, I would always watch them anytime it was on like USA. I had to watch it. If I was like flipping through the channels, if I, if I saw something and it scared me, I was like, shit, now I got to watch this because I have to see how they kill this dude at the end. I want to make sure that if it happens to me, I can make all of these decisions as well. Right. <laughs> and so I would sit there, I would force myself to watch like child's play marathons. And the, I know like, I feel like, the Friday the 13th movies were on every weekend on USA in the 90s. That's how I watch them. Uh, we <laughs> talked, we've talked about this before that I was not, like my house was very strict with, you know, if the movie is PG-13 and I am 12 years old, I'm not watching that PG-13 because I'm too young. But if, Jackie. yeah, if Friday the 13th, if Nightmare on Elm Street, if any of that stuff was on like the Sunday matinee on like mm -hmm. Philly 57 or UPN or something, then I was allowed to watch it. That's exactly how I watched so much of my horror when I was younger. That was how I watched everything, basically. And <laughs> so I even remember the first time I saw Halloween, I was like, you know how you used to get like that paper thing in the newspaper that would tell you yes! what was on the TV <laughs> schedule? I was home alone because my mom had to take my brother to hockey. I was probably like eight or nine, I want to say. So like she took my brother to hockey and just like to drop him off and then we came come right back but while she was gone I turned on I was like oh Halloween I love Halloween a movie about Halloween that sounds great and I turned it on having no idea what this <laughs> is about and like for a while I'm watching it because nothing really happens in the first what three quarters of it so I think she went to she came home she came home and I like turned it off because I felt like I shouldn't be watching it and then she went back to pick up my brother again I turned it back on and it was like when all hell broken loose and he starts killing everybody and I'm like what is going on so I like ran into the kitchen grabbed a butcher knife and hit it under the couch and like there <laughs> just in case he comes in while I'm watching his movie and then I get to the end and he's still alive and I'm like what the fuck am I supposed to do with that <laughs> so that was like the scariest movie at the time for me because I'm like I don't know how to kill this person <laughs> eight-year-old you had all the makings of a solid final person good for you oh, yeah I was gonna I was so and I also had another plan where if like if I just kept watching all of these movies if like Freddie or Jason showed up he'd be like oh my god I'm such a big fan please don't kill me Oh, I, that would work. I love that kid mentality. I, I, I had a, I had a similar kid mentality when I was younger. It was yesterday. Would, yeah, it was <laughs> last week. Um, no, grow when, after like 
you know, you get to a certain age and you get like your first like big kid bed. I had gotten a hand-me-down mattress and it was like a, like a, not a twin, but the, what a double size mattress, you know, what a full, it, the full, the full, thank you. I couldn't think <laughs> of the word. So I had that in my room. And when I was a little kid, my mentality was if I sleep directly in the middle of that bed, it is too far from the end on either side. So the monsters in my bed could only kind of like, look, they couldn't reach me. And mm-hmm. I was like, if I just am perfectly still and I would go to sleep like this in the middle of my bed and I'm like, ha, the Art Jersey cross. devil and Freddie on this side, Jason on this side, y'all can't get me because I am in the middle. I love that kid mentality. That's sound logic. It is, it is. And, and obviously grabbing the butcher knife in case Michael Myers comes to your house. <laughs> You know, it's like, what are you going to do? Hi, hi, look. You, yeah. I was way too scared of the knives and the sharp things to ever do that. So I'm really <laughs> awed by your, yeah. Like that's inspiring to me. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to use this fork. Um, Cause it's safe for me too. <laughs> um, Get your that's, kid scissors out. <laughs> yeah. Jackie, I also have to say for the record that that thanks to our last episode with the cartoons, my mom, I had to listen to 20 minutes of my mom lecturing me about how dare I come on the show and pretend that she didn't, she just let me watch whatever I wanted. She, <laughs> guys, she didn't. She totally parented appropriately about totally. what I should be watching at age five. Dare you. The <laughs> one episode she listens to out of 50. She, <laughs> yeah, she listens to the one where you're like, my parents like, my parents fucking world. World. I was playing with matches and smoking cigarettes at age six while watching fucking Texas Chainsaw Bitches. <laughs> um, is the I one have to my say, mom. <laughs> I love my mom because she like, she would let me watch certain horror movies. She hates horror movies, like hates them. But she would let me watch them, but she's like, I have to watch them with you. So like, if there was any <laughs> sex or anything, she'd be like, all right, look away. All right, yeah, you can look back. She, we, I remember we rented Scream from Blockbuster and <laughs> like that first scene when he sneaks in her window and like kind of starts going up her little nighty. She's like, fast forward this part. And I was like, oh, oh. That's <laughs> and adorable. then like it was over quickly. And she's like, oh, never mind. You can watch it, you can watch it. <laughs> um, you're not helping me out with my mom, Eddie, but that's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing with my girls. Like we watch, well, first of all, I have to say my big victory with my own kids was I convinced my older daughter that Blair Witch was real for the entirety of the film, which was so great. Cause I kept looking at her. She kept grabbing for her phone and I was like, she's going to Google it. She's going to Google it. Yeah. But she did it. And by the end she was like, mom, mom, is this real? This isn't real. <laughs> like it was so, it was such a win, but then I finally told her it wasn't real. Cause she had to go to bed and I didn't want to deal with her being scared all night. <laughs> uh, but it was really cute. Cause I was like, wow, I, watching the horror movies with my kids is a lot of fun. And I do the same thing. If there's sex or nudity, I either fast forward it or I'm like, all right, everybody earmuffs. And they all like cover their eyes and their ears. And <laughs> so Eric, we actually gave you a little bit of a choice here with, with films. We asked what you thought would pair well, um, some ideas. And you came up with what I think is a really solid film to to talk about i'm kind of excited to dig into it and that is 2015's green room so all right first uh, why green room what's the parallel here with the, the novel what do you think are there themes overlapping so i didn't want to do a pandemic movie because Fair. i feel like that's that's the easy option <laughs> and also green room is like i said i the way i got into horror was i wanted to watch a movie so that i could make the right decisions whenever it would happen to me <laughs> and green room is one of the most fucking horrifying movies of all time because they make every single decision that I would have made. And by the end of the movie, I'm like, I would have died. Yeah. There's no way I could possibly have done this. I, wow. I would have died. I don't think that they made every decision I made. Even they made the decisions I didn't. Even you would have given them the gun. Okay, all right. I, that's the- <laughs> I don't know, maybe, because they really do convince you. And I mean, I mean, it was stupid. I I was watching it. And I was like, mm, no, don't do it. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but, um, maybe maybe I would have too. I don't know. It's easy to say. <laughs> so there's in the film for anybody who hasn't seen it. There's a moment where they have a gun in the room that they're like hiding in, and they give the gun to the captors. And I'm like, that's stupid. But man, I don't know if I'm still thinking I'm bargaining for my life here, and they're, they're going to let me go. Maybe I do. The gun doesn't the have gun. any ammo in it, so it's kind of useless to you. And yeah, it's like their their whole like the nazi explanation for it was listen the cops are on their way we're they we know they're coming right we just don't want to get busted on this we don't want to get busted with this gun yeah so, it's an unregistered hand gun. Us the gun so yeah yeah and it's like the nazis had nothing to do with it it was that one dude that killed the girl 
So it's like, listen, we're doing all of this. We just don't want this to come back on us. And you're like, okay, maybe this does make a little bit of sense. You're right. And you're so desperate in that moment to think you still have a chance of surviving. That's fair. That is very fair. But anyway, (laughs) so the way it parallels (laughs) to my book is going back to kind of like where queer people have that space in a post-apocalyptic environment. Like what happens when society collapses and there's going to be people who want to get back to what it was and it's like what if those people happen to be white supremacists and um Andrew and Jamie at one point run into a settlement where they seem like nice people but it's just like there's something off and throughout the whole time there that they spend in this settlement they're just slowly realizing that even though these people are nice even though they have these ideas and they're going to be bringing the world back they still there's this undercurrent of that Andrew and Jamie specifically do not belong there and they're both white kids too so it's like it's from their lens seeing the seeing the all unfold and they're like oh maybe we shouldn't be here I like the idea of I love the idea that it's like subtle and that the people are nice because isn't that Mm -hmm. such a part of the fucking quandary of it all right like I adore so many people who I know their ideologies are literally polar opposite of mine and it gets to the point where you're like, what's the hard line here? And where can I not, where can I no longer associate myself? And it's like, I love this idea of like, that they're actually nice people and they have good views and they want to try to make the world okay again. But then they also happen to be fucking white supremacists. So it's like, well, that's where you lose me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> you, had, you had me up until, up until the Nazi thing. But it's like, <laughs> so, so close. And I don't know if anybody else grapples with this because this film bought this up for me a lot. Um, is grappling with this idea of how much can I exist within certain social settings versus how much can I, what lines can I draw and be like, this is no longer okay. I'm fucking, I'm taking my toys and I'm leaving the sandbox. And, you know, being, uh, you know, a, a person of color, being someone who's raising a, a non, you know, cisgendered straight person, being a person who, you know, isn't uh, in a lot of the, like, I'm not surviving a white supremacist party either. You know what I mean? For a myriad of reasons, whether it's because I'm Latino, whether it's because of my kid, whether it's because of my mouth, I'm not surviving. So, it's like, where do I draw those lines? And I don't know. I don't know if you guys ever struggle with that too, because I meet people and I'm like, wow, these people seem really nice. Wow, they're real. And then all of a sudden they flip a switch and you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, and how much do you just then turn around and say, no, nah, this, is, this is not okay. You know, like it, it's something I grapple with. And that's one of the, um, it's not really a spoiler to even say this. That's one of the things that I wanted to focus on, especially because uh, Andrew and Jamie are white teens and, they are basically this is the this is the biggest civilization they have come upon throughout the whole book at this point and they still make the choice that they're not going to stay with these people because they're like all right this doesn't align with who we are so we're going to take our discomfort on the road and we're going to leave and y'all can just do this white supremacist thing over here yeah which i wanted to have that where it is there are two kids that had a privileged life growing up and then now they're in the apocalypse they're struggling they find this slight privilege again and they still choose something that doesn't align with them instead yeah and i mean i i hate to say but that's that's so much more heroic and hard to do than i think on the surface people you know like you realize like i think a lot of people would would fall into the well i'm I'm safe here and well yeah (laughs) like so that's, that's yeah, there's really a interesting. Slight, couple slight creature comforts from, you know, the time before. And yeah, I, I do like that. I, I want to be a little bit transparent about, about this movie. Um, Marissa and I actually watched Green Room before and recorded an episode. And the episode did not last long. Um, it was mostly just like, what the fuck did we just watch? Like, this is horrific. This is real life. Um, I have to say I was nervous about watching it again and having this episode on my second viewing, I think because I was a little bit more prepared for it. I actually, like, I didn't, it wasn't like a painful watch. Like I actually, I don't want to say that I enjoyed the movie because that's, that, that feels, it feels wrong to say that (laughs) I really like this movie. Um, but I was able to watch it differently this time, knowing what was happening and, could kind of appreciate more things about the movie than just being horrifically put off by all of the subject of the movie. Yeah. I I 
I thought I would be better actually with the second logic, but I wasn't. No, I, yeah. I got to, I have wiped parts of this movie from my mind. Like I had no idea. I can, I can pretty much remember every single movie I see. I can remember scenes. I can remember lines that I shouldn't be able, be able to remember. This was one of the movies I wiped entire scenes from my memory. There were some things that were stuck with me and there's some things I kind of glossed over in my brain, like the whole machete arm thing. I did not realize I had cut out a lot of that gore because when that happened again, I still was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I I did. I hate this part. And then he brings his arm in. I'm like, oh God, it's so much worse. And then when the box cutter scene happened, I turned it off. I had to stop watching it. Yeah, the casualness of that. I... I watched it basically, I watched it the weekend that we had planned this. I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago and I started watching it. And then when the box cutter scene happened, I was like, I can't, I turned on something else. And I turned on another <laughs> horror movie too. Like, <laughs> like let me cleanse my palate yeah. with, uh, with some types and of shades on. <laughs> I just, I, that, I just immediately, I was like, no, no. And then I had to, I revisited it earlier this week. I was like, okay. Now I can do it in broad daylight. And I still hate it. <laughs> I was still so uncomfortable. I'm yeah. still, it's a great movie because it's done well and yes. it's terrifying. It does its job. It's so upsetting because it's real. And you mm-hmm. know that th- this could have possibly happened. Like hundred percent. More probably than the witch Probably would, has happened. <laughs> it probably has. Yeah, probably has happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable. So I, I agree with you. I, I I had a tough time both times. It was a little easier, Jackie, I will admit, knowing what was coming. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah. I am not a squeamish person. I'm not I'm not easily mm-hmm. affected by gore, but because this film feels so real and because it feels just the they show so much more than I'm ever will, ready, really, really ready and willing to see in a film that I'm like, a lot of scenes in this film, uh, which is actually praise coming from me because I'm so desensitized in the real world. So Jeremy yeah. Saunier, the, the film's director, was a punk uh, who was big into the punk scene down in DC area. He said the inspiration for this film absolutely came, he's a writer too, absolutely came from real life violence often witnessed at punk shows. Now, uh, anybody who knows Jackie and I know that we're our idea of a hard band it's hardly a real hard bed. We're like, yeah, 311, what? And like, really, it's it's ridiculous. So I have to own that I have never been in drenched. I fucking love punk scene. I think that Nazis who fucking tarnish it can go fuck themselves. Um, I mean, Nazis in general can go fuck themselves. Yeah, all of it. Blanket all statement. Of it. But specifically, ones who fuck with shit I like. Um, I do like punk music, but I'm way too afraid to actually get... I, w- I wouldn't go to a punk show. I think I'd be too afraid to go to one. Um, and his stories... Things like having to call a show off because somebody kicked a Nazi's ass and yay for those people. But, um, you know, and there's too much blood on the floor and they had to cancel the show and kick everybody out. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a no for me, dog. Like maybe 20 year old Marissa would have been like, yeah, but like 40 year old Marissa's like, yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm going to watch some fucking Netflix and go to bed. You know, like, so I don't know. Do either of you guys have any experience? I, I don't. So I'm curious about this whole thing with just how scary the punk scene can get. I have only through friends. So I've always known people who go to shows, but even then I'm like, "Mm, no, that's not for me. Cause it's like the whole idea of a mosh pit to me is so weird. And I like, I went to a few shows when I was uh, in high school that were, they weren't really punk. They were more just like, they were like a weird kind of crossover between punk and metal. But like I'd stay towards the back while everybody was <laughs> moshing too. up front. I'd let them do that. And it never got violent. It was just like the moshing was just like kind of running into each other. And that was it. It was never fights. And it was in like bigger venues in Philly. So it was like the TLA. So yeah, that's probably where I that was bad. too. Yeah. That was I've, the baddest like, I got. Yeah. I, don't I mean, think I, I would ever I've been in mosh pits. Um, Me too. Yeah. Certainly never at any like really, really like hardcore, like safety pin through the nose kind of like punk shows like yeah. I, I definitely I think have been to like punk light definitely yeah. oh um, we are we, yeah we are yeah. punk light for uh, punk, sure punk light um, and like and, alternative and like rock you know what I mean yeah. like those are the mosh you know I I, I've seen I've seen a couple cover bands there was one band it was like I can't even remember it might have been like a rancid cover band so like definitely punk light yeah um but I remember getting into you know the mosh pit because I don't know, because I'm 20 and, or I'm 17 or whatever. And that's just what I do. Sure. There's a mosh pit. Let's go have fun. Um, 
I've always been in very polite mosh pits. Um, I've been very lucky that the one time that I really got hurt in a mosh pit, like I took, I took an elbow to the face. Um, like I instantly had like a wall of people around me picking me up off the floor. Are you okay? And like, they guided me out of the mosh pit. (laughs) So it's like, I've always been very lucky to be in, in like, you know, let's have fun. Let's like playfully beat the crap out of each other. But the moment someone actually got hurt, you know, let's take care of this person. Oh, see, that's funny. That wasn't, I, and I feel like you and I probably went to many of the same uh, concerts together. I remember one show and you were there, Jackie, where a girl was lifted. uh, We had a friend who was, is a very tall, very big dude. So he was like my muscle in a mosh pit. I would stand next to him and nobody would fuck with us by definition. So like, it was like a Foo Fighters or something like that. And this girl got thrown up in the air without really wanting to be thrown up in the air. And the next thing you know, people are like, grabbing at her clothes, pulling off her shirt, like, and it was so uncomfortable and it was so violent. And then she wound up kicking a guy, then people got violent. And I just remember being like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> and like, I literally just remember the the constant like momishness in me. I like helped her get down. <laughs> and then I like, well, I was done. I did the same thing. And it was at the TLA too, ironically. And I went to the back and I just stood there like all like pissed <laughs> off for the rest of the show because I'm just like, that's a hard no for me. Anytime where women are in danger or any person is in danger to have be violated in any way or to have violence enacted against them without consent. Listen, two idiots want to jump into each other at full, like, and beat the crap out of each other. Have at it. No judgment here. You do you, whatever floats your boat. But the minute people who just want to have a good time and be in the front of the room are getting more than they bargained for is when it's deeply uncomfortable and problematic for me. So it's like, you know, at a punk show, I guess everybody's into it. So it's cool. But I I just, I don't know, something about it all just sits so ill with me. And like, I don't know, the thought of like my my daughters being involved in any of that. I'm like, I'm going to go in there and fucking throw some fists is what's going to happen. Like I'll be in the back with like binoculars. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, so it's never been a big thing for me, but it's crazy to me to think that Nazis have the balls to like, how dare Nazis try to take punk? That is like the antithesis of what punk is, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, fuck off. Um, I do one of my favorite moments of the film, and it's probably a small one, but is when they have the balls to play Nazi punks, fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. To (laughs) me, that's like beer bottles thrown at them and they just keep going. It's It's such a punk, yeah, like such a punk rock moment. And I'm like, they have such big balls in that scene that like to me is like I think that's one of the bravest things they do because I gotta tell you I don't know that I have those balls in real life like and they open the show with that and then do the rest of the show and this is the only time I'm gonna give any of the fucking prick Nazi motherfuckers a break is they then once they've done with Nazi nobody like strikes them or like you know any real then once they start playing the other music they all just start dancing and they're cool with it that's my punk dance yeah. by the way it's a lot of jazz hands it's a lot of, like, this is why I don't go to punk that's right shows. that's what I saw yeah. <laughs> um that's why I'd be I'd never fit in but yeah no um I I I, I give them credit for just being okay with it like they they took it they took the hit they were like all right you just told us to fuck off now let's all dance to this other song um right do that whole thing i know like they were okay with it which is so strange to me i also have to give a huge i thought the casting in this movie was really fucking good i love emojin poots i don't think she gets enough credit i want to see her in more shit and fucking aliyah shaw cat's my girl like i love her like she is um patrick stewart hit me i i love and hate it (laughs) y'all I think that was one of the things that for me made the movie like tolerable because I'm like, okay, in real life, I can't wait to hear where this is going. (laughs) No, just because like with Patrick Stewart being like the head of the Nazis, I'm like, you have to remind yourself that in real life, he is a national treasure. He rescued dogs. He like that somehow made it easier to watch because real life Patrick Stewart is a gem. And he's just an actor. He's playing a part. It's really horrific. In real life, he rescues puppies. He's adorable. Like, swallow the pill. Swallow the pill. It's just a movie. It's not real. Like, Patrick Stewart is, he's he's an angel baby. And just let it go. It made it a little bit easier to watch with Patrick, even though he was scary. And he was he, scary. He was a scary Nazi daddy. And that was just, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that in my Patrick Stewart, but such a scary Nazi daddy. <laughs> Fucking terrifying. He was. Ugh. I think that's that I think he said that was why he took it, is because he was reading the script and it was like one of the first scripts that actually terrified him while he was reading it. He was like, Yeah, I guess I'll do this because I've never done anything like it before. Right. 
Yeah, that's I, I tell you what, one thing that scares me so much about every one of the and, and it's a it's a testament to their acting, but also a testament to the, the realism of the film, the casualness of their violence and their mm-hmm. their willing like the red laces. And like I actually um, taught for a while in a district that was very in, the, in New Jersey, but you wouldn't know it because it felt like it was in the middle of the Midwest. And the, the ki- I taught the kid whose father was the grand wizard for New Jersey for the KKK. The enclave of the KKK was right outside of the school district. Um, this is the same district where swastikas were drawn on my desk all the time because I was a liberal and a woman and a person of color. It was also the same district where a kid handed in his homework on burrito shells every week. Um, you know, just, just very casual racism and very real. And what always boggled me the most about these kids with their red laces, with their combat boots, with, was just their pure willingness to hate me and my constant realization that they would 100% have killed me just for existing because of how indoctrinated they were in their own philosophies. And one of the things that I was only ever able to do like once or twice out of like maybe the 50 kids that I had who were like this was open up a dialogue between the two of us about just being humans on a level that was because literally these kids would come to my class and it was evident from day one that if they had the, the chance and the means and they were given some sort of green light, they, they would be able to, to do horrible things to someone like me and not think twice about it. And this film cuts so deep in that way for me because to see these young kids, like the kids at the beginning who stab each other, those kids are like fucking 16 years old, man. And that's one of the, I think the beauties of the use of the dogs in this film is, in addition to just being so horrible to watch the people get their fucking throats ripped out, yeah. this idea that it's a learned behavior and this idea that they are just all trained dogs on leashes. Mm-hmm. is is an important one for me to keep in mind it's what keeps me being able to fucking close my eyes at night it's what keeps me having hope is that this is all just learned right like this has to be they just don't know any better but yeah. i'm gonna throw it out to you guys is there save are these people savable in any way shape or form i always think people are savable. i i am uh, i would not i don't know i'm like i'm a optimistic person but i'm also I guess I'm. A, I, it, would, it wouldn't be pessimistic. It would be realist. So, it, I do think that people are inherently good. Like people on their own are good, because if you take them away from the group and you give them the same choices, they will not make the same group choices as the group if it's a bad choice. But it's when people get together and they are a group that is when things get dangerous, which also happens in my book. But it's just I think that it. I think the one-on-one thing that you were talking about with your students is the best way to approach it because it is taught. And I it like when you can teach something, you can unteach something. It's just, you can't do that when there's a whole group that is all creating this echo chamber of hate. And it's very hard to deprogram people. It's hard to like with all the QAnon people, which that is all starting in Mm anti-Semitism and then going out to every other racist thing. And there's this whole way that it eventually will filter up to these suburban white people who never would have sided with Nazis or even the KKK and probably even like saw all of these things, movies and like, like, oh, how awful. I'm so glad I'm not that type of person, but then they're still spreading. They are, right? And they don't realize it. I think that there's some people who absolutely realize it and they dig into that and they try and spread it. And I think that a lot of it is, and I even try very hard not to hate people who voted for Trump and right-wing far right-wing people because a big thing is they're being lied to it's a lot of russian propaganda it is a lot of which they just so don't realize is really at the stem of all this (laughs) and it's a lot of people online i don't i don't even think it's the the white supremacists do their own thing because they know they're doing some fucking illegal shit did you read that uh rolling stone article about the fbi agent Mm -hmm. that was terrifying too mind blowing but then it was also kind of funny because a lot of like the kids that are involved are so stupid. So, but, but then again, like, look at what it's, look at what it created though, man. Like, yeah. oh God. I, so I do, I do kind of have to tell myself, this is people with the wrong information. They're being told wrong information by people who are actually bad. And it's a group effort to kind of 
manipulate people and make them think this way. And it is cult mentality. And it's, you, it's, I don't know how to deprogram people. So I don't think you can mass deprogram. I think it's just one of those things that it's going to be very hard for a very long period of time where people have to figure it out on their own and they have to realize slowly and hopefully it doesn't go the other way, which is horrific. So this might be, to be like, yeah, no, yeah. I give you credit because I think I'm tilting the other way lately. And it's scared. Like I'm scared of myself because I'm at the point where I'm like, if this is going, this is coming to a head, right? This is getting, it's getting more and more incensed. Things are getting worse and worse. I, I really do believe in my heart of hearts that the powers, the masterminds are just dividing us amongst ourselves to take what they need in, in the higher levels. But at the end of the day, is, is there a chance that my optimism and my, and my hope and my foolish hope that people are good and my, my nonviolent ideologies are going to ultimately be my biggest fucking liability? Because what I'm starting, like, I have a neighbor, my, my next door neighbor has a big, don't blame me, I voted for Trump. And then, like, they also have all these other scary flags that ha- I've been seeing lately, like a black all black flag, which I was just told means that like, if you come here, don't expect to leave, like that we will kill you. And like, it's just, you can't, I, I see it escalating around me. And lately I've been like, I just don't want my niceness and my like almost hippie, like refusal to be anything but optimistic. And my, my love for nonviolence and my love for, we could talk this out. People are good to be the thing that gets, that lands me in a fucking position. Like these guys got landed in. And, and so I guess what, what's, I, I think what made this movie scare me so much is that it's not just the militant right-wing nuts in their Nazi fucking enclaves anymore. It's your neighbor. It's your, the person down the road. It's, it's your kid's playmates at school who are now spouting propaganda and hate talk and, and willing to kill or willing to fight to the death over fucking politics. Like, how did we get here? And how did we get to a place where it's not just in the extremes that we see this behavior, but we are all guilty of it. And, and it's, I don't know, I think that's what made this movie shake me so much to my core is that these kids have no choice but to enact, like they have to do these horrible acts of violence, which I gotta tell you, I'm not fucking blinking when it comes to killing a Nazi, if it's my life or his, not even fucking want you guys. In fact, I'm, you know, I will never not, like, I know I'm the kind of person who fight flight, I'm going to fight. Like, I know I'm a wacko like that. Um, also, I think the fawning is a perfectly relevant one. Um, I think we should, cause like, there's a new theory that it's not just fight, fight, fight or flight. It's also fight, flight or fawn, which is like, you try to rationalize and be like, but you're awesome, Freddy Krueger. Don't kill me. We're fans. I'm a fan. I have your stuffed animal on my wall. Um, that's actually a very relevant psychological norm now. So that might be where I go. I try to talk myself out of everything, but I don't know you guys, like I'm not, I don't fault them at all for all their violence. And in fact, I am downright cheering them on by the end, which makes me grossed out of myself, but also makes me like, it's the truth. I'm good for them. <laughs> and they do show that progression because they have the part in the beginning where they're like we're not gonna do this right we're gonna we're gonna hand over the gun and then they learn their lesson from that mm-hmm. and then even when they're doing the chokehold on him in the box cutter thing it was Imogen who does that but all of them are like they're freaking out when that happens and that's like Rightfully the first so time. Too. <laughs> and I think by the end they realize they have no other choice and it's like I do think it is that's like when they switch to survival mode and they are fighting back and they're trying to survive. But I don't, I still think that at the end when they're like the way they sit down and wait for the police, they both, they're not like, Oh, thank God we're alive. They're not celebrating. They both just kind of collapse to the ground and just sit there in silence. So it's like, I do think that again, even though they are, they're good people, they just had to do this horrific thing. And it wasn't the other way around for the Nazis. They were just yeah, thinking, were oh, you know what? Yeah. Let's just kill these kids. We'll set up, we'll create this whole conspiracy of them. I think what the first plan was like to get they were them, make it the look gas like they were, and, yeah. Yeah, they were trespassing, they were stealing yeah. and yeah. So it was just. But maybe the casualness of their violence and their willingness to demonize and dehumanize everybody is one of their greatest strengths. And that's, to me, that's our greatest liability, ours being like liberal people who just want peace and a happy world to live in. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just, I, I wrestle with that. But fuck, this movie hits deep right now. It's funny, GQ <laughs> in 2020, a couple of years ago, GQ had an article that called Green Room the movie that predicted Trump. And I was fucking fascinated by that. What do you guys think? Did this movie know what was coming in a way that we we don't give it enough credit for? 
I think so. I mean, I I remember watching it in 2015 and thinking, oh, this there is definitely parts of America that's like this. I didn't realize how big those parts were, but yeah. I mean, because the movie even does a good job of making you feel isolated in this club in the middle of mm-hmm. nowhere, Pacific Northwest, and which I, that's another thing. The, the fact that it was in the Pacific Northwest, and I think they're in Seattle at the beginning or Portland. Yeah. They're in like, like a major city, which is super liberal. And then all of a sudden they go out into the middle of nowhere and it's Nazi territory. Yeah. It's like two hours away, right? Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> which is insane. Well, I think it's, it's the idea that it's like the, and this is what makes it scary, is that like this, the, this is always the way it's been. Trump just gave them the permission to be out and proud basically yeah. with it. You know, it's like they, yeah, these, the Nazi factions have been always been everywhere, but now we have the leader of the free world going, you're special, you're important. I love you. You're victims. And, you're yeah. victims. You're a nice guy. You know? Though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, right. if he <laughs> says it's okay, then yeah, we can do it. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason that we can't be proud boys now, you know, because our president says, Go for it. Why not? We've got permission from the leader of our country. So let's see. I know. It. And the narrative of victimization that they have really eaten up is what fucking really chaps my ass, man. Like this idea that these passive aggressive, like microaggressions uh, are still, they're so emboldened. Like, and Brandon, I'm looking at you here. Like, fuck you and all your micro, like, your, your microaggressive fucking passive aggressive shit. You want to be like, fuck you, fuck you, everybody who's not white and a Trump supporter. I'd have more respect for you wearing that shirt than let's go, Brandon, or like That's make America so great. Stupid, I know, right? like, it really chaps my like, ass. <laughs> I just, I, I, I think it's so, like they have let's go Brandon shirts. And meanwhile, when I went to go vote in uh, November of 2020, I wore my fuck Trump shirt. So, right. like, who's you guys got the bigger can't balls say, here? Fuck you, Joe right. Biden. I mean, right. literally, there are even liberals who are like, oh, fuck you, Joe fuck Biden. Him. Right. Like, come yeah. on. Listen, and then I'm- everybody on the right's like, let's go, Brandon. I'm like, you got your children. Right. You're the bunch of little bitches here. Like, I'll fucking fuck you, Trump, all day. Listen, yeah. I'll be the first to be like, fuck Biden, man. I'll, Uncle Joe, you're delightful. Yes, but absolutely. I don't, like, we're not some <laughs> fucking sycophants who love him. Like, we acknowledge he was just the best plan B here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, get yeah. the fuck out of here with that shit. And then again, this, this narrative of victimization, like, uh, like this idea of like, well, white people just feel so hated and it's, oh, sweet baby angels. Like it drives me nuts that that's their narrative. Like it's it's insane. I do like the horror in this film, but I have to say, this is the kind of horror film where I'm like, what and done, bro. Like, I will never be like, Hey guys, you want to watch green room? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I want time. I want to meet the person who's like, oh, Green Room's my comfort <laughs> horror movie, so I can never talk to them again. No, I, can I know. run the other way if I see them coming. <laughs> Seriously. That's like being like, you know what I love on a good Friday night? A Martyr's Watch. Like, no. <laughs> you know? like, well, I, I, I'm, so I'm watching Green Room. I, oh, I have, I have the, I have the, uh, thanks to Marvel, I now always sit through credits because you never know when there's going to be any sort of like end credit scene. And this movie did not have an end credit scene. Oh, good. Okay. But the final title card, Marissa, I had to giggle because the final title card <laughs> just brings up the production company. It was A24. No. Oh, did you not know this was an A24? I did not know this was oh, an A24. Oh, Jackie, good thing you God it was. I did not know. Do you know. hate A24 horror movies too? I do. Yes, I hate it. I They're don't. Just, ugh, so boring. A24 usually. is just a marketing company that happens to make movies because- <laughs> All of their horror movies are marketed as horror movies and they're not horror movies. There, so. that I'll give you. Boring. <laughs> oh my so God. Boring. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, when I saw I 24, I giggled. I was like, oh, that makes some sense. Ja- Jackie, you know what I love? What? Elevated horror. Oh, <laughs> elevated horror is so sophisticated. I'm so, I'm classy so like that. Sophisticated. I'm a, cla- I'm a thinking person of horror. I love elevated. I like Midsummer and Hereditary. There, I said it, motherfuckers. I like those movies. <laughs> um, no, it's Summer. It's Summer. It's Summer. I have to be so pretentious. It's got to be mid-soul. Dude, I'm sorry, but The Witch is a good-ass movie. The Witch, the witch there's there's four minutes of good movie uh, in The, the Witch. witch. Yep. There's four, four minutes of good movie. That's it's it. It's ridiculous. Four minutes. 
That's it. There's the part where the bird is eating the titty. That part's intense. And then the part at the end when she's floating. And and then then I'm like, you know what? If you could just do a short film of the bird titty situation and then her floating. And then I'm like, wow, that's a really good short film. Thanks, A24. do, (laughs) Do I feel like I'm earning my background in film history and sitting in like my film history classes in college when I watch a lighthouse uh, of H24 movie absolutely but I like like and the lighthouse is one of my favorites of recent years like I fucking like that movie I think it's a, a fucking cool I, all right I'll Jackie start. should I watch the lighthouse yes I heard that I kind of I've not seen the lighthouse but I've heard <laughs> that there's a really no I don't know if not it's supposed to be funny or not so sorry <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not, but there's a party, like, apparently, like, a farting scene or something about him, like, farting the whole time. I thought it was funny. Yeah, like, so I'll watch The Lighthouse for the fart scenes, but I love love William Defoe. so um, he's... And, okay, Robert Pattinson's a decent actor. There, I said it. No, I think he is. Both of them. Yeah. But I'm not sure if I would have sit through a two-hour movie about them hating each other in a lighthouse. Maybe, you know what, Eric? Maybe there's, like, a super cut on YouTube of just, like, fart scenes in Lighthouse. And then we can just watch that. I'll accept both of (laughs) your apologies when you watch the movie and you're like, fuck, that was a good movie. I'm probably not, you know I'm not going to sit through that. Here's the thing, though. I might not personally like A24, but I will never knock somebody else for liking it. I'll just, if if you want to like it. (laughs) If you want to like it, you can like it because you know I'm like, hey, do you guys want to watch the Garbage Pail Kids movie again? So it's like I can't, I can't knock anybody for shit that they like because I like the weirdest, stupidest fucking movies. So I'm not going to be like, oh, you're a douchebag because you like 24. I'm just going to say it's not for me. I don't prefer slow burns. Um, it's just it's not Jackie. You're such a classy friend, and I wish I could be more like you. But fuck you, you're a dipshit for not liking these movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, just kidding. And I will. You know, I've come along to uh, Sleepaway Camp Three Teenage Race. I know. know I love that. that. Is if there is one success in like the twenty some odd years of our friendship, it was Marissa who just like sleepaway camp three is yeah, stupid no, and blah blah yeah. blah and why do you like it it's just yeah. blah 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 it's like you know ho- you know titties and fucking murder for the sake of it and it's yeah. so cool blah, blah, blah. and then i've brought her around it's true because now she appreciates like i the love that movie yeah. like <laughs> bananas ride that sleepaway camp part three right. is but to be fair you to have fair. introduced me to, to some <laughs> movies that i probably would not have watched on my own that that I really did enjoy. Thank you, thank you, darling. So it's it's a give and take. That's here. right. It's, I'll it's watch Garbage Pail Kids, and literally, it is a tit for tit. It is a tit and for tit. And I will openly admit that even though I have nightmares about those Garbage Pail Kid fucking puppets eating me in the in my sleep, <laughs> I will watch that, was, that movie. That that really so She's like the Gator one. The Gator <laughs> one was gonna come up. I, 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 I can't I, even I, talk I, about it now. I'm gonna have nightmares. So I'm gonna call you at two in the morning when I fucking can't sleep. Okay, um, you're gonna have nightmares about the Garbage Pail Kid and not Nazis. Yeah. Yes. So much worse. Nazis, okay. Let's do this, Nazi motherfucker. Garbage pail kid? What am I going to do when that thing walks in? Nothing. No, nothing. That's that's what I freeze. That's when it's no longer fight, no longer fought. I'm just dead. Yeah. <laughs> the gator one's going to eat me, man. He is. He's going to eat you. <laughs> so scary. Why are you talking Get your little toes. He's going to get your little toes. <laughs> um so i do want to and i will link this article in the in the show notes here i do want to call to an article that i read that blew my mind because it put everything i was feeling so much more succinctly than i can which would explain the whole failed writer part of my life but this guy so this guy tristan young wrote an article called green rooms normalization of horror and ideological terror is what makes it feel so real jackie you already glazed over i know but i'm gonna read it anyway i have a quote from this film that (laughs) You were like, you lost me an ideological terror. Um, I'm going to quote this real quick because this is, if I could like have Marissa's spark notes on how she felt after all this, this is it. And it says the parallels between this and the normalized at times only slightly less extreme rhetoric of elected leaders today and the media and their brainwashed partisans is undeniable. Incendiary vitriol is fed to the foot soldiers of a movement on a steady diet to keep them angry agitated and aggrieved while the leaders bask in the influence and the influx of cash and that's my fuck you capitalism nazis you're fucking stupid and you're supporting you're betting on the wrong horse here 
don't you see how much you're being fucking played a fool? And Patrick Stewart's character is so perfectly like embodies that for me because he doesn't give a fuck about any of these people's lives. He barely even gives a fuck about his alleged movement. He's fucking moving drugs, moving money, making a fucking, like he's just like the rest of the capitalist society, the two percenters. They don't give a fuck what we have to buy or believe to do their dirty work as long as we're doing their dirty work. And to me, that's what makes this film so scary. So read that article, you guys, if you want a good read about- uh, capitalist america and green room <laughs> i think i think that's right i think what the this script is so effective i mean if if there was nothing else but just this whole nazi thing like that's it's fucking terrifying because it is real life that's it's that in itself and then when you put in all the other elements of this movie the isolation fear being hunted the cult mentality of all of these Nazis and then having to like watch the characters go like we talked about before they were like I, I the one girl was like I can't hold the gun like I don't want to hold the gun Aww. and then it comes down to it's you or them now it's a survival film where you if you don't do these horrific things you are going to die so do you want to do you want to die or do you want to live but you're gonna have to kill people now like you are a musician from you know the east coast you're just trying to live your life now you have blown holes through people like there are so many layers that make this an effective horror movie like i said nazi stuff aside if there was nothing else that's horrific enough but then you have all these different layers tapping into all of these different fear triggers and the fucking death scenes bro are fucking just what makes them so hard (laughs) when he brings out the dogs too that was like something i never even thought about like i i I think it was always there in the back of my mind being like mauled to death by a dog how terrifying but seeing it happen to one of the characters i'm just oh my god this is intense and and a character who you grow to like and i think like in my heart even though i knew better every time i'm like they're all gonna survive this is gonna be fine like you know like you really do even though i do think there's a lack of characterization they do a good job of making you really and it's just the actors too you just really like this like uh, and yelkin i dude that kid's story breaks my heart like getting pinned by your own car and that like that's so effed up and the fact that like jeep cherokee tried to like not give them money because he had like studied the car and like the, the, the family did win the settlement but what a horrible way for such a rising little star to go out like it's such a tragedy that i feel like you know sucks <laughs> um but those actors are all so good at making you care about them now wait quick question you guys the guy at the end when they the little short shitty one um does he go get help am i to assume that he's a good guy now because i don't buy it i think he's he says he's gonna get the police or something right but and it's like ambiguous yeah. i i kind of felt like like he saw his out and he took it yeah, yeah like oh yeah i'll that go get the cops me. you guys wait here I'm going to go get help. You're much less optimistic than I am. Yeah. So and makes then sense like, that that was, he escaped. He escaped. He can, whether his, you know, Nazi life is secret or known, but like everybody that knows what he's up to is now dead. He's hearing gunshots. I think he can assume that like, I'm just going to go and be still alive over here. Mm. Yo, you know what broke my heart too? A weird random scene that like really struck me was when the dog crawls back and lays on the dead guy's arm. Because it's like, A, you realize the victimization that this dog isn't actually, like this, he, again, like just a little sweet baby angel who didn't know any better and was indoctrinated to be horrible. Like I, I have a note. I, my note is literally all puppy, but you're <laughs> a murder Nazi puppy. Yeah. But all puppy. <laughs> I know. Like murder Nazi. Puppies. He's a murder Nazi puppy, but he's still a puppy. Yo, he's just throwing it out there, not a bad punk rock name if you believe in like murder Nazi puppy. I'll put it murder Nazi puppy. That's for when we go hard. Also, when we yes. do go hard with the band, let's make sure we have a dude who could wrestle giant guys into like holds. That kid was handy to have around. Am I right? Like yeah. he just went badass like out of nowhere. <laughs> and you always have that one friend who surprises you and is like, "Oh, I have a black belt." You know, like. <laughs> And his was just like, oh, I was on the wrestling team in high school. It's like, oh, okay, you still do this? And I was like, is that real? Like, can I just wrap my legs around a really big dude? And if I do it just right, he can't move. Like, I maybe I should. And I kept, I kept watching that scene, to the uh, the big dude, and I kept thinking, he looks so much like David Harbour, like the yes. whole time. I was like, is that him? Like before Stranger Things? He, and I like had to look Daddy it up. Me too. Like oh a different gosh. person. 
It's so funny you say that because I go, I IMDb'd him too. I was like, what do I know this guy from? And then I was like, I think he just looks like a bunch of people like David Harbour. (laughs) Um, All right. So I think overall, this film is effective, whether it's uh, an incredibly difficult watch, definitely not like a fun popcorn flick. But um, I'd like to just kind of end that whole segment by being like, fuck you, Nazis, fuck white supremacy. Um, And I'm glad that a couple of them, at least they killed a bunch of them. Now, I do have some fun questions for you guys tethered to the movie, though, if you're ready. And they're obvious. They're 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 softballs. First one, obviously, Desert Island Band. And don't try to impress us, Eric. This is just us. Circle of trust, friends. You don't have to say a cool band. You're gonna be real. Jackie, I think I know yours. I think everybody knows mine. <laughs> Abba. <laughs> no. And like I have the thing, you can only bring one, right? Just one band. Just one. Their whole canon though. Ooh. That's Even so like the, the rare cuts and stuff. You know what? I know this is going to be like, there's no rare cuts at all. I'm just going to say Sade, honestly, because wow, okay. number one, that's one of, no, maybe I want to do Dolly Parton because I love Ooh, Dolly Parton. Dolly's a good one. <sighs> See, that's, that's the a thing. lot bigger I would pick, catalog. Like, I would pick somebody who's going to kind of like be a good person to Up hang with out you, with right? and also like, have good music and have a good time. I, it's Dolly Parton. It's Dolly it's Parton. It's going to keep you sane, man. Like yes. when things are at their bleakest, you put on nine to five, you're like, you're going to feel and Dolly better. Parton will just be like talking about her life growing up in the sticks of the Smoky Mountains yeah. and how she didn't have like running water for like 14 years of her life or something. Yeah. And then oh, we're no. just on a desert island. I'm like, you're right, Dolly. It could be worse. This is great. <laughs> like, you know what? I have no right to complain right now, Dolly. No. Oh my God, Dolly. Dolly Parton. Yeah. <laughs> Dolly's a solid answer. And you know what? She's such a fucking gem that she'd probably be the first one to send a plane to rescue you, dude. So that's Absolutely. a solid choice. Yeah. She'd hear that your music, she, you chose her music. She'd be like, not only am I rescuing you, but I'm going to build you a mansion next to mine. Yeah. Like, and you're going to be like, fucking done. Yeah. yeah. Solid choice, man. Solid choice. And and when you're feel and when you want to feel sorry that you're stuck mm-hmm. on a desert island, there's perfect Dolly songs yeah. like. And I would be like Joe leaning into like a tree and be like, "Don't steal my man and be a coconut." <laughs> like I'd get so weird with Dolly on a desert island. I like it. Jackie, what's yours? Pearl Jam. What? <laughs> Pearl Jam's a good choice though. There's a big yeah. catalog there. There um, is. Yeah, I've got I've I've got I've got many many years. Not too yeah, much no. to make you less angry, though. Like I, I'm just warning you. No, the older, the older that they've all gotten, they they've, they've mellowed, mellowed out. out. We're yeah, we're much less out. disenfranchised now. We're yeah. we're we're more mellow now. Which is weird. They should be more angry <laughs> than we were in the '90s. Who knew the '90s were the best years? <laughs> all right, so I guys, I fucking poured over this question for a long while, and I was like, there was a part of me that was like, I want to have some street cred. I should say somebody cool like Pearl Jam because I knew you were gonna go Pearl Jam, but I'm gonna be real here. The band that gets me through everything and has such an awesome catalog that I know I could live Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac. And it's funny because I'm such a beat. I feel like most people would assume I'd choose the Beatles because I'm like a pretty big Beatles mm-hmm. person, but I don't know. Like, I think I'd be annoyed. I'd be like, shut up, Paul. Like I'd get really, whereas like, I've never not loved like rumors from start to finish, no matter what would have been, no matter what part of life I'm in. So Fleetwood Mac. As somebody who used to work, um, the brunch shift at a restaurant in college and the kitchen always had brunch with the Beatles on the radio in the kitchen. You do get sick of the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I say that nobody as, ever gets sick of Fleetwood Mac. Oh, I say that as a huge Beatles fan. I, I think I'm sick of the Beatles. So I'm, that's, that's my, there's, there's some songs by the Beatles that you'll never get sick of, but True. there's some songs that you'll hear by the Beatles. And you're like, right. if I fucking yeah. hear this one song one right. more time, I'm pretty much all of their, or all of the early stuff before they started doing drugs. If I hear that, I'm going to kill myself, right? <laughs> like I wouldn't survive the other. If like uh, Hello Goodbye comes on or like I want to hold your, I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> like, whereas even early weird bluesy Fleetwood Mac is still fun for me. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, granted, thank God Chrissy and, and uh, Stevie Nicks joined because that's when they got good. Yeah. But uh, And then they started banging each other because amen to that. But <laughs> that's my one. So, all right, good answers, everybody. My yeah. second fun question is, you have to start a punk rock band. You have to come up with a cool name. What's your punk rock band name? I think we've already decided what mine is. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, yeah, I'm, I'm murder Nazi puppy. Tit for tit? That would be my vote yeah. for you. You're, you're tit for, <laughs> you could be tit for tit. I'm going to be murder Nazi puppies. <laughs> puppies is good. But I would be good, not great. I think I have a note somewhere in my phone that was just made up band names. Jackie, I yes, find too. It. 
some but of them we are, are kindred so spirits. Good. I've had a running yeah, list since 2017 list. of band names. Actually, I want to change mine. I don't want to be murder Nazi puppies because yeah, I don't want the list off your list. I don't want to be associated like with Nazi. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to take that back and I'm going to, let me look on my list and see what. So it's some funny. Of the you both ones. have a li- running list of names for a band. I have a running list of names for my memoir, which is where I got good, not great from. <laughs> uh, so funny it. that you both are looking for your list right now. That's so interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to decide. So uh, what kind of, uh, we're, we're a, punk a band? hard punk band. Like okay, you're going to go so, out at that club and you're going to play your fucking set. So I'm going to go with either. Drunken Stabby. Ooh, that's a good one. Servant Nachos or Nipple Squeegee. Nipple Squeegee is my choice. Okay. If I'm in this I like Nipple Squeegee. Yeah, you Nipple can Squeegee. Have nipple squeegee. Um, I think I'm going to go with cheese. Servant Nacho. Ooh. That's the great thing about this band name, too. Like I said, it's been running since 2017. I have no idea what half of these things came from at this point. <laughs> Where did Servant Nacho come from? I don't know. I do it's know good. there's Marissa yeah. has inspired a few. I've gotten Prickle of Peni. Prickle of Peni is on, Prickle yes. of Peni is on, yeah. on the list. Yeah, but half of these things, like there's one on here called Blue Elmo. I don't remember <laughs> the context of where Blue Elmo came from, but it's on the ban list. You couldn't remember Cookie Monster's name. That's what it was. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. That's truly probably what it was. A great but name yeah, for Cookie. Like half half of these things, I'm like, what the fuck? Like turkey peeking. What is turkey peeking? I don't know. <laughs> What is Balls Lasagna? Who knows? But Balls Lasagna is on my band name. Balls Lasagna so. is a good name too. I would, I, I would listen was, to all those Chad bands. and I had some conversation mm-hmm. and we were obviously talking about lasagna and Balls Lasagna came out. And yeah. Yeah. So I'll cheat because um, I do know one of the, the bands I pulled from that list, I put in my second book. They're called the Dick Whalers. Oh, that is a good I just, I was like, what, what does that even mean? The I Dick Whalers. <laughs> So like, I could see whatever. a really cool t-shirt with that too. Like I could see the marketing there. <laughs> and they do, um, their whole shtick is that they do uh, punk rock covers of like songs by like Megan Thee Stallion. So they have like a punk rock version of Thought Shit that yes, I, they do. But... That's awesome. I would listen to that band in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, good. All right. Cool. Solid answers. And finally, as an homage to Matt Kelly, our friend of the show, who is the reason why we all got to hang out today and get to know each other. Um, favorite Muppet and go. Favorite Muppet? Mm-hmm. That's my, my. That's a Matt Kelly question. Matt Kelly, and I, I know you're going to listen. That's for you because I know you love the Muppets, and I know you like in your, your life to Kermit. I want. I hope you write a book called Matt Kelly the Swamp Years one day. <laughs> I. Bye's a Swedish chef. No competition. Swedish chef is very good. Um, I want to say Grover. Grover has been my favorite for a long time. The monster at the end of this book. I'll allow it, even though he's technically a Sesame Streeter. I'll allow it. So that's what my caveat was, that like Mm -hmm. technically he's Jim Henson. If I have to go Muppet, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. But don't fucking say something stupid and make me mad. (laughs) Pepe, the king prawn. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I love him so much. He's a fucking razor fucking trope. John St- when he in the new haunted mansion puppets when he was meeting John Stamos and he kept calling him John Stensmos <laughs> fucking racist little fucking he Pepe the king prawn makes me yeah, giggle you know what all Latino way. people should be named Pepe I do I thought that was your name when we first met I was like, actually it's my middle name okay. <laughs> Marissa Pepe <laughs> I Pepe. wish. I wish. Um, no, he's pretty great. He made me giggle. He was one of the few things I liked he about him on invention. He he makes me giggle. I can't. Yeah, I, yeah like that's I said, why you I, keep me around, right? Your token little Latino my, yeah. who can mispronounce things. Exactly. Oh, I so uh, yeah, Jan Jan. He would eventually just call him Jan Stamos. Fucking Jan Stasmos. Twenty twenty two. That's what we yeah. get out of the Muppets. All right, <laughs> how about you? Who's your favorite? I'm moment? allowed to choose Sesame Street. It's Big Bird. Right. If I'm not allowed to choose Ooh, Sesame okay. Street, it's definitely Miss Piggy. Ooh, Miss Piggy, Piggy has big dick energy. She does have big dick energy. Oh my god! And uh, here's no my shit from anybody. Yep. She's amazing. My hot take: she can do better than Kermit. Fuck him if he doesn't realize yeah. how good you are, girl. <laughs> she, I loved her growing up. She was so such an empowering role model. My my aunt was always obsessed with her. Um, oh my god! This so that was a fun way to end the show. Thank you guys. Anything else about Green Room, uh, Eric? Before you go, I definitely want to promote once again. Tell me all about. Um, the, the novel, where we can find it, all that's left in the world coming out this March 8th, which is what, next week? Yeah, uh, it's like a week schedule. from, week from, te- week from next Tuesday. 
There you I go. Can, yep. Yeah. So you can buy it basically anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local independent bookstore, if you can. Awesome. I'm going to go to the local Barnes and Noble. I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it all across the, the bestsellers yeah. for you. I got you. That's yeah. a, that's, I got that's a, a, I got an email yesterday from one of my Twitter friends who works in Barnes and Noble and he's in charge of the YA section and the LGBTQ section. He's like, we just got your book in. And I'm, that's like the first time I'd seen it in the like, wild the wild and it, so an actual cool. card cover because I only had like these paperback uh, advanced reader copies. Oh, fun. Oh. Okay. Fun. Yeah, yes. we cannot wait. Yeah, we're super excited. And again, um, all the information and I guess everything upcoming with you, ericjbrown.com. Eric with a K, jbrown.com. Yeah. And we will have that linked in the show notes. So please, please go keep the tabs on Eric. Uh, go out and get the book and then when the second novel comes out and the third and the fourth and the fifth, and he continues to produce and just bring joy to our world, please, everybody go support that. And I'm only doing this episode. So when you give us a cease and desist in like 10 years, when you're super famous <laughs> and you want us to take the episode down, I'm hoping I can make a little cash. So remember me, I'm in a black man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, oh no. And also the next time I'm on, I'll choose a happier movie too. That, yes, <laughs> please do. Yes. Can oh, we, that can... would be a good plan too, to just stay friends and let you come on a lot. I guess I yeah. can do that too. Right? We can do that. I, I think we, yeah, we definitely are going to have to have you back for a bit of yes, a, a, a lighter episode. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we usually 100% have have less fun. Nazis. Yes. Yes. We let's usually have, have way more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go cage free, grass fed, vegan. Absolutely. You know, you I know, hear there's some nice Nazi A24 free. films that we could discuss. Oh, y'all. Yeah. 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 Lamb. We, let's just do it all. I'm so excited for Lamb. We'll watch The Lighthouse. That's what yes! it is. Yes. <laughs> you guys could just shit all over me for the entire episode. That's fair. Um, Jackie's like, I'm in. I'm um, I did. Speaking it. of A24, I watched Titan Titan. Uh, the other day, I don't know if either of you have had the pleasure yet. To taste? Oh, yeah. No, to I wish to taste. I, that's what I thought it would be. I watched it. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Stephen Bay here because he's the one who was like, oh, this is a Marissa movie. And I got to tell you, it made A24 look like Sesame Street. That's how intensely. <laughs> that's the one where the girl fucks the car, right? Indeed. And and mm-hmm. then has a the car's baby. And I wish I was saying that that was anything. I missed that plot point. That was... <laughs> Um, and guys, I, as most of you know, I'm not one to clutch my pearls, but this film had me being like, this might be too much for me. Like I can't, <laughs> I'm like triggered. Like there are certain films I won't watch or won't watch again, but this film, I had no idea how intense it was going to be, but um, definitely an interesting watch. If anybody out there has seen it, I'm dying to talk to somebody about this movie. So please feel free to reach out fans and tell me what you thought. Cause I'm still wrapping my brain around it. Uh, thanks again, Eric, for being on. We had so much fun. We can't wait to have you on again, Jackie. So don't forget to check us out on social media and your favorite podcasting app just by searching Jersey Ghouls. And you could always go to jerseyghouls.com for the latest information, episodes, and to drop us a line. Fuck Nazi punks. Yeah, fuck off, Nazis. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.